2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. It's where the message comes from this morning. God is provider. That's, or God provides. That's the theme. That's the title of the sermon. Uh, the songs, as you sang through them, other than I'd rather have Jesus, were about the protection. It's really the theme this week of our prayer and fasting was God as provider, God as protector. Well, that's a broad topic to do in one sermon. So the, the music spoke to God as protector. That was the message this morning of God as protector. And this, uh, our, our scripture then speaks to us today as God, uh, of God as provider. How many times have you gone to the kitchen, opened up your cabinet and refrigerator, it's full of food, and you don't have anything to eat? You laugh because you know it's you and me. You know, it's, it's, it's not the combination we want. We've got the spaghetti noodles, but we've got a white sauce, and I really wanted a red sauce, and I, we don't have the tomatoes to make the sauce. So, oh, we don't have spaghetti. and Oh, or I didn't ground, uh, thaw the ground meat or something like that. It's, it's not what you want, or it's, it's not what you hungry, you're hungry for. No matter how many times I go to our cabinet, we never have honey buns, and we ha- never have Dolly Madison cinnamon rolls. Never. They're never in the cabinet. So I go, I go and look, though, regularly, and there's plenty of food, but it's just not what I want. Now, I'm specifically talking to us, uh, to those of us who have never truly known the, the empty larder, pantry, cupboard, or icebox. I know there are plenty of us that go who have in the past, or maybe this morning, went to their cabinet, and they didn't have anything. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those of us who have plenty, but don't think we have anything. Well, we often do the same thing with God. We go to Him and say, "We God, we don't have what we need from You. We don't have what we need to live this Christian life. We don't ha- have what we need to make it through, when in fact, He's our shelter in the time of storm. He's our rock that we can hide ourselves in. He's the only thing we need. He's certainly the only thing we should ha- rather have above anything else. Our souls should know to be still because He is the one that will get us through. In fact, He will not just get us through. He will hold us fast as we move through it. And yet we go to Him and say, God, I don't have everything I need from you. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 uh, belie that. Uh, Because God is our ultimate source, we lack nothing that we need to live for Him. God provides. 2 Peter 1, 3-4, read with me, says, His divine power has given us everything, what's that word? Everything required for life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. I could close it up and stop there. That should be obvious, but I'm just going to make sure we we understand it. So I'm going to work through this. We're going to do maybe what we haven't done in a while, preaching through Acts. Acts is a narrative book, so we take big sections and we catch themes and where there's a teaching moment in that narrative section we pull it out the letter from Peter is much more didactic he is teaching something so there's there's 
pregnancy of value in every verse. So we're going to pull these uh, two verses apart and look at them and, and see what he's saying. First thing Peter says after he's introduced himself and uh, talked a little bit in verses 1 and 2 and prayed for them in verse 2, says his, and no doubt we know who he's talking about, God. And excuse me, I'm going to do this a lot during the sermon today. He says, his divine power. Well, right there, we should be overwhelmed. This is an unlimited source, an unlimited resource. We're told there's only so much oil. There's only so much coal. uh, There's only so much of those things that we depend on so regularly. There's only so much peanut butter in the world. Uh, it, we, we could run out. So we, we have to be careful with those things that are uh, limited. Uh, we pay, the, the more we pay, or the, the, rather the, the more limited it is, the, the more we pay for it. Uh, you can buy artificial vanilla flavoring very cheaply. You buy the real stuff and it's expensive because it's limited. There is no limit to his divine power. Each of those three words speaks to the unlimited nature, speaks to the omnipotence of God. It's His, it's Him, so it's God. We could stop there, but Peter didn't. Divine, well that's not us, we are not, we are temporal, we are finite, we are not gods, we're human. He is divine, His divine, and then power. We don't have power the way Peter is talking about power here. His divine power. There is no lack of provision in him, in God. If I told you that I was going to help you pay off all of your debts and the source of your debt payments would be my checking account. There you go. <laughs> that is in no way an unlimited source. That is a very limited source. But if I told you instead, look, church, we're going to pay off everybody's debt in here, and the source is the checking account of Jeff Bezos. Now, I don't know if you know who Jeff Bezos is. I don't know if you recognize that name. He's the CEO of Amazon. He is the richest man in the world. Uh, As of this month, uh, January 2019, his estimated net worth is $138 billion. Now, I think his account, if that were the source, could handle our debts. I'm pretty sure, and he would never see a dent in his account. See, so you see the difference in the two sources, right? Mine versus his. Well, Jeff Bezos ain't got nothing on God. He has nothing on the source of unlimited power. If, if, if the creator of everything says, I've got everything you need, well, God, what if you don't have it? Well, let's just hypothetically assume for a moment 
that we didn't have everything you needed. And I've already created everything. Theoretically, I have the ability to create what you need. Right? But, but he's smarter than that. He didn't go, oh man, I forgot. See, what y'all don't know is at 11 o'clock last night, 11.30 last night, Etta, Misty, our uh, uh, facilities manager, and I were up here filling up the baptistry because Michael forgot to tell somebody, hey, we're doing a baptism this Sunday. And so we were scrambling to get that done. Thankfully, the water was warm for Zach. Uh, we'd got it done. But he, Michael forgot. God didn't forget, oh, I was going to make this that Michael would need for his everyday Christian life, and I didn't do it. Now i got to, okay, hold on. You know, like he's making some sort of uh, balloon animal. There you go, now you've got it. God didn't forget. In his unlimited power, he also had this unlimited wisdom. His divine power has given past tense, everything required. Everything required. Not everything wanted. Not everything we think we need. God, in order, I'd live for you if my debts were paid. No. Number one, you probably wouldn't. Number two, I don't read anywhere in Scripture where it says, and once thine debts are thenceforth paid... Thou shalt live thine life for me. No, it doesn't say anything like that, King James or otherwise. There's no call to get everything we think we need or everything we think we want in order to live for him. God, in his divine power, his divine power has given everything required. A homeless Christian has everything he needs while an unbelieving billionaire is poor and pitiable. That's God's economy. As Christians, we don't want to leave the homeless homeless. I'm going to get to that here toward the end. I don't want to uh, spend too much time on it now. So we don't get to sit back and say, oh, he's homeless, but he's a Christian. Well, he has everything he needs. That's not what Scripture is saying. He has everything he needs. Yes, he has everything required. Everything required for life. It's debated what Peter means here when he says for life. Uh, As Peter moves through his letter, he is going to focus heavily on Jesus' return. As a matter of fact, the reason for writing, one of the main reasons, was there were people saying Jesus isn't going to come back. And Peter saying, oh yeah, he is. Uh, He is coming back, and and you don't need to worry that it's been slower than you think, because he is going to come back. So when he says, for life, he has given everything, his divine power has given us everything required for life. He is talking about eternal life. Everything we need in order to live with the Lord forever, everything we need in order to have our sins forgiven, in order to have forgiveness, in order to have a relationship with Jesus now so we can have an eternity with God then, everything that we need has been given. You lack nothing in order to come to Jesus for a relationship with God. No more scripture is needed. 
No more death on the cross, Hebrews would tell us. No more sacrifice. Nothing is necessary anymore. You've got it all. And if you're here this morning, and all of you here are, then you will hear the message of the gospel at the end. You will hear how you can be saved, how you can trust Jesus Christ and have salvation and eternity with him. And you will have all you need, all that is required for eternal life. But it's not just the the not yet that he's talking about here. He's not just talking about eternal life. He is talking about also physical living. You have everything you need in this life for righteousness. He's making a point. You've got everything required. You think if you had more money, you would live for him. You think if you had more food, you would live for him. You would think if your family wasn't so screwed up, you'd live for him. You would think if you had a better education, you would live for him. You think if you had a better job, if you had a better situation, or if you had a better this or that, then you would live for him. What Peter is saying is no. You don't need anything more than you have right now, where you are, whatever your situation is, in order to live for him. His divine power has given us everything required for life. You don't need anything else. Don't need more stuff. You don't need less stuff. You don't need to give away. You don't need to buy. You just need to understand, I have what I need right now where I am to live for God. I don't know enough scripture. You have what you need. Now, do you need to be discipled and grow in your faith and in your knowledge of scripture? Absolutely. That's why you're here this morning, if you're here this morning. You need that, certainly, but everything you need has been provided for you. So if you need to be discipled, why aren't you here on Sunday nights when we have e-groups? Or why aren't you here on Wednesday nights when we have three to four different adult Bible studies and things for the kids and things for youth? We have plenty of opportunities for you to be discipled. So if part of your issue in saying, well, I can't live for the Lord like I want to because I don't know enough, why aren't you here learning more? You have everything you need, everything required for physical living, for eternal living, and for godliness. are separate yet linked, life and godliness. So we've got our eternal life, we've got our physical living, and godliness gives us our spiritual life. You have everything you need, everything that is required in order for you to live a godly, Christ-like spiritual life, you have. Again, does that mean that you, uh, you know everything you need to know right now? Not necessarily. Does that mean you, need to, you, you no longer need to be discipled and grow in your faith? Certainly not. Does that mean that fellowship among believers and worship is, a, is, is secondary? Is, is, is um, oh, I had the word and then it was gone. Optional? It, it's just something if, if you have time. No, absolutely not. But you have everything required. Again, you have the place, you have the building, you have the the people, the congregation, the church family, 
You have the leadership, you have the teachers, you have the resources, you have everything required. The question then really that this leads us to is why aren't we godly? Why aren't we walking the spiritual life? If we have everything required, why aren't we doing it? Well, first let's understand that we can and must do good. We can and must be godly. I've got everything required for it. Now I've got to actually do it, right? Now I've got to actually get off my seat and get out and do the things. And this is where we go back to that homeless Christian who has everything that he needs for life, for eternal life. God in his divine power has provided What if, what if, let's just go way out here. What if God in his divine power has provided you to be the person that that homeless person needs, that hungry person needs, that that person who's dealing with depression that says, God can't love me in this state. You're the person that needs to go to him or her and say, Yes, he can, and I do too. That person who is bound by sin and thinks nobody understands where they are. Nobody understands what they are going through. What if God has used you in his divine power, has given them, you, to go to them and say, I know right where you are. God has, in his divine power, given them everything, and I am part of everything for that person we can and must do that but michael i just i just can't i don't i wouldn't know what to say i wouldn't know what where to even begin i i, I wouldn't I just well oh but in scripture great look his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him Oh, he just took away our excuses through the knowledge of him. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle the situation. I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know what to say. I don't know enough scripture. Oh, well, you know, if those are some of your issues, I wonder where you might learn more scripture. I wonder where you might, hmm, is there anywhere, I'm just thinking out loud here for a second, is there anywhere where scripture's taught regularly, Discussed among friends, kind of, maybe in a group setting, a small, small group setting. Is there anybody anywhere like that? Sunday school? E-groups? Wednesday? Oh, okay, yeah. Michael, you might be hammering a point there. Yeah, Michael, you might be. So if, if that's our issue, we don't have enough knowledge. But folks, I can, I, I can quote scripture until I'm blue in the face. I, I, can, I can give platitudes, and I can give cliches, and I can say, uh, you know, Jesus works all things for good, and I can say, uh, you know, uh, I can just quote him all day long. He, he's going to lead you in paths of righteousness. I can do all those things, and it won't mean a thing if I don't apply that scripture, if I don't live that scripture. So, so knowledge, I can have knowledge without application. I I can know things without it 
change in my life. So I need more knowledge than just scripture quotation. I need it. But I need knowledge of him. Now, if, if we're going to have life and godliness, if, if we're going to find everything we're, that's required for life and godliness, do we find that through our possessions, our abilities, our whims, or our desires? Is that, does Scripture say anything about us? No. We can't look to ourselves and say, and this is our tendency, this is not a bad thing necessarily if we don't overuse it. We can't look at someone else and say, I, I know your struggle, and here is what I did. That's not, our testimony is important. Scripture, I believe, teaches that. But our testimony should always be, this is what I did in my knowledge of him. As I spent time with Jesus, as I was discipled in small groups, in a church, one-on-one, as I was discipled with his word, as I spent time with Jesus in prayer, in scripture reading, in corporate worship, in ministry, as I got to know Jesus, this is what I did. So that my testimony has power, my testimony is a change agent, but it is just a very small part. My testimony can't save anybody. Only Jesus Christ can. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. When we have a right knowledge of Him, our life is not our own and godliness is our desire. When we have the right knowledge of Him, our life is not our own and godliness is our desire. J.I. Uh, Packer in his book, Knowing God, said it this way. What were we made for? To know God. What aim should we set ourselves in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? Knowledge of God. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, 3. What is the best thing in life, bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else? Knowledge of God. This is what the Lord says, Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me. Jeremiah 9, 23, and 24. Of all the states God ever sees man in, gives, man, gives God most pleasure, knowledge of himself. I desired the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings, says God, Hosea 6.6. 6. Once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place. Of their own accord. Your debt, your family issues, your 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 depression, your your mental health issues, your 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 sin struggles, all of those things, once we have rightly known God, fall into place. Now, do they go away? No. 
if you struggle with debt, you need to spend less than you make and, and pay off debt. If you have family struggles, then those things need to be confronted. If you have mental health issues, you need to go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist and, and get those uh, drugs that will help you get back on track. If you have sin issues, you need to get out of those situations, put those people in the past, not put yourself in that place anymore. You see how you do have responsibility, but nonetheless... You will have everything you need, and those things will fall into their proper places when you have the right knowledge of Him. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. I'm going to talk about His glory and goodness here in just a second. Verse 4, by these He has given us very great and precious promises very great and precious promises. And he begins the sentence saying, "For uh, by these he has given. By these what? Well, he goes back to his own glory and goodness. So we have very great and precious promises that he has given us by his glory and goodness. Whose glory and goodness? Is it your glory and goodness? You don't have the precious promises because of what you did. Or anything you have brought to the equation. You plus anything is nothing. I mean that me plus anything is nothing. We don't bring anything to our salvation. We don't bring anything to our uh, godliness, our life. But we have these great and precious promises by his own glory and goodness. See, here's, here's where we've got to, you know, spend less than we make, and we've got to go to the doctor, and we have to do the things along that f help move the issues forward, move the answers to the issues forward. It is your responsibility, but it is not dependent on your ability. I am responsible for my actions. I am responsible for not sinning. I am responsible for following God and being obedient. But I am not able can't do it. I cannot be the man as God, uh, God has called me to be. I cannot be the dad God has called me to be. I cannot be the husband God has called me to be. I can't be the pastor God has called me to be. I can't be the friend God has called me to be. I can't be anything God has called me to be without the precious promises, great promises without his glory and goodness without the knowledge of him who called me without his divine power I can't do any of it and neither can you we can't we will beat our heads against the wall constantly thinking we can and all we'll end up is bloodied and dizzied. But no further along in the Christian life. Because we cannot do it. But we're responsible. We are responsible. We have a part in our sanctification. We are to work. We are to do the things that we are told to do. 
Faith without works is dead. We are called to be certain people, say certain things, not say certain things. We are told over and over how to live the Christian life. And it requires doing and not doing. But we cannot do and not do on our own. We are totally and completely dependent on Him. And we have an ironclad, 100% guaranteed, legally binding, contractually confirmed, take it to the bank assurance that we will have everything we need to be that or to not be that. That's, that's all we need. I think maybe one of the most powerful prayers is, Jesus, I can't. And he says, you're right. Thank you. But we can. I can through you. Don't depend on you. Depend on me. We have very great and precious promises that we have everything that we need for life and godliness. God promises to provide everything that you need. And when we do that, these, uh, these, by these, by this glory and goodness, he has given us very great and precious promises so that, in order that, through them, through these great and precious promises, I will never leave you and forsake you. If any man uh, come to me, he will be saved. Call on me and you will be saved. Trust in me, you will be saved. Over and over and over, we have the promise, I will never leave you or forsake you. We have these great and precious promises, and through them, because of them, because we are confident in them, because it is ironclad and 100% guaranteed and contractually confirmed, because of those things, we will share in the divine nature. Do we get to be a God? No. But we will share in His divine nature. And Peter is still working on that right now, not yet stuff. We will share in the divine nature right now and in the, in the end. One day. One day we'll get there. We will be, spend eternity and we will share in the divine nature in ways we never have before. We will know God in ways we haven't been uh, able to know Him. We will see Him. We will see Jesus. We will experience things we've never experienced. Our emotional connection, our spiritual connection, our, our hope will be seen instead of just hoped for. We will have no sin, no tears, no blackness over our eyes, no uh, discouragement, no covering, no Concern, we'll just know him. We will know him then. But folks, that's not just for then, that's for now. That's for right now. We share in his divine nature right now. And we're not going to know him all those great ways. We, we, are, we are looking through a glass darkly. We just can't see things right right now. We are distorted and twisted by sin. But we can share in his divine nature. Now, why? Because we've got the ironclad, contractually confirmed promises, very great and precious, that say we will share in the divine nature. And the scripture tells us to do it anyway, right? Have the mind of Christ. Paul tells us in one place. Another place, he says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. We talked about last week when we talked about prayer. And Jesus praying for us that when he sits at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes on our behalf, he does so 
Because we are currently in Him. We are next to the Father right now. Sinless, pure. And yet we struggle and we fail and we groan to leave behind this corrupted, dead flesh and be with the Lord. So we have the mind of Christ and we are in Christ now. We share in that divine nature. And in so doing, we escape the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. We share in the divine nature right now so that we can overcome sin. We are empowered right now due to great and precious promises that are wrapped up in His glory and goodness of Him who called us to have knowledge of Him, giving us through that knowledge life and godliness that comes from His power. You see how that we can just turn that sentence around backwards and it still works? We are empowered then to overcome sin. We are empowered to have the mind of Christ. We are empowered to hide ourselves with Christ in God. We are empowered to not let sin go down, let the sun go down on our anger. We are empowered to be angry and not sin. We are empowered not to hate. We are empowered not to gossip. We are empowered not to be bitter. We are empowered not to lust. We are empowered not to steal. We are empowered not to lie. We are empowered to love. We are empowered to forgive. We are empowered to trust. We are empowered to care. We are empowered to hope. We are empowered to give. We are empowered to lay down our lives on the altar and say, it is not us, it is you, Lord, that we worship. We are empowered to do these things. We are empowered to serve. We are empowered to minister we are empowered to, Peter goes on in verses 5 through 7, we're empowered to make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing... They will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing. I'm just going to think out loud again. How would we increase these qualities? You know, if only there were some way that we could get together as brothers and sisters, maybe a small group of us, talk about Scripture, study it, pray together, lift up each other's burdens, stand with each other, shoulder to shoulder, arm around each other, hoping for each other, trusting for each other, loving each other. If only there was some way we could do that, maybe through a small group before church or on Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a Sunday night thing, if only there was some opportunity for us to do that. 
for us to be empowered. Turns out there is. Because God is our ultimate source, we lack nothing that we need to live for Him. Because God is our ultimate source. You don't like the preacher? Doesn't matter. God is your ultimate source. You don't like the Sunday school teacher? God is your ultimate source. You don't like the music? God is your ultimate source. You don't like your mama and your daddy? You don't like your kids? Doesn't matter. God is your ultimate source. You don't like the situation you're in in life? Doesn't matter. God is your ultimate source. You don't think you have the power, the ability, the knowledge? You're right, but God is your ultimate source. And you lack nothing that you need to live for Him. So maybe it leads you to ask the question. Maybe you look at your life and you think, hmm, my, my, my life may show a lack of living for Him. If your life shows a lack of living for Him, there are only two options for why. You are either willfully disobedient and living in sin, or you're not His to begin with. If you look at your life and you say, I don't have everything I need to live for Him, you are either willfully disobedient and living in sin, or you're not His to begin with. That's the only way you cannot have everything you need in order to live for Him. Because His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And by these He has given us very great and precious promises so that through Him you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. We have no other reasons that we would not have everything required for life and godliness other than you are disobedient and living in sin or you're not his to begin with. So this morning you have the opportunity to correct either of those. Believer, are you struggling? I, I, I just, I, I can't do it. I can't give up X, fill in the blank. I can't live the life of godliness. I can't, I can't forgive. I can't move on. I can't let go of this bitterness and anger. I can't let go of this sin. I can't let go of the lust in my heart. I can't do these things. I just can't do it. You are willfully disobedient because you have the power you need. You're just not doing it. Am I saying it's going to be easy? No. Am I saying you're going to be perfect? No. Am I saying that you'll never do it again? No. But I'm saying if you are at this moment saying, I cannot do it, it is not possible for me to do it, you are really saying, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. Or, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't have the power you're not plugged in. The outlet's there. There's the plug. There's just no connection. Power's not going to jump across. You've got to plug in. Jesus provides the salvation 
that is the catalyst for your empowerment. How can I know I'm a Christian? How can I know that I am connected to that divine power source? Romans 3.23 tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. And we need to come to that recognition and say, I know I'm a sinner. But then we need to do something about it. Now, we can't save ourselves. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God knew that we couldn't do, uh, take care of the sin problem on our own, so he sent Jesus. The death is the result of our sin. Jesus is the way out of it. And God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't have to be perfect. We don't have to clean ourselves up to come to God. We come to God as we are, and he will clean us up. He will make us right. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I cannot save myself. I know that I deserve death because of my sin, and that is my end. But Lord Jesus, I know you can save me. I place my faith and my trust in you, and I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, and it says you will be saved. And then we will be empowered. So I don't know what your decision is this morning. Maybe you need to get out of some willful disobedience, or maybe you need to come to Christ and ask him to save you. But whatever it is, I will need you to let him work on you this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have provided the way. God, as believers, we have the power. We are empowered. We have everything required. If you told us we had to do something, you provided the resources to do it, period. That's it, everything that's required. And Lord, if we are not tapping into those resources, Lord, may this morning be a a time of redemption and return, and we say, no longer, I am going to live based on those very great and precious promises. I have everything I need to be what you have called me to be. Lord, I pray then that believers' hearts are changed this morning where they have struggled, where they have failed, today is a renewal. But God, I also pray for someone this morning who doesn't have that connection at all. They've never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They've never believed. They've, They've gone through motions. They have learned some things. They have knowledge. But Lord, they've never believed given their lives to you, repented of their sins. I pray today that they would do that. You would move through this place as you will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what's your decision? Believer, is it to give something to him, make an altar of this stage? Maybe you want to come pray with me. You want to pray with Tom over here to my right. I'll be over here to my left. Maybe you need to trust Christ and you need some more information about that. You'd like to just, Michael, how do I do that? Tom, how do I do that? Come forward. We'd love to walk you through that. Whatever your decision is this morning, as we sing today, you allow God to work in you and you do business with him as we stand and sing.